Halloween is a fun and exciting holiday, but it is important to keep safety in mind, especially for children who are trick-or-treating. So today, we're going to share some Halloween safety tips. Welcome to Practical Prepping. Today is October 23rd, 2023, and this is episode 426. This is the prepping podcast with no bunkers, no zombies, and no alien invasions. Just practical prepping, where we believe that stuff happens, so we need to stay prepared. And we're here to help you get prepared. I'm Krista. And I'm Mark. And today we'll be talking about keeping our kids safe on Halloween. And if you'd like the expanded notes for this episode, go to practicalprepping.info forward slash 426. And if you're not receiving the Practical Prepping newsletter, go to practicalprepping.info and click on free PDF, and you'll receive the free getting started in prepping PDF, and you'll be added to the newsletter. Now, it takes a few days for you to receive your first newsletter. I've noticed a few folks that wait a day and they do it again because they think that they did not get the newsletter. It does not come out automatically until we release it. But once we receive your request for that, we'll send you the last two of the newsletters and you'll be ready for the next one. Let's talk about keeping our kids safe on Halloween. Yes, and I think first and foremost, we need to look at costume safety. We need to choose costumes that have been certified flame-resistant, flame-retardant as well. We need to ensure that the costumes are the right size to prevent any tripping and falling. And we want to use makeup and face paint instead of masks, if possible, which can obstruct the vision. Yeah, some costumes are hard to do that, but make sure your child is able to see I remember the holes in the costume mask that we wore as kids, and I think they've improved some today, but we couldn't see anything but the door then. Mm-hmm. Now, let's look at visibility of our children. We have a tendency to walk the neighborhood with our children, so let's don't have really dark costumes, and let's add reflective tape or stickers to the costumes to make them more visible in the dark and carry a flashlight or glow sticks to illuminate pathways. You could even hang a glow stick on the back of the child. Of course. So they could be seen. And as for trick-or-treating, the children should always go trick-or-treating with a responsible adult or in a group if the kids are old enough. You'll have to determine for yourselves what you consider to be the responsible age for a group of children. You want to ask them to stick to the well-lit areas and the known neighborhoods and to stay on the sidewalks and use the crosswalks when crossing the streets. Avoid cutting across yards, driveways. Avoid cutting down behind homes or alleyways. It's just because the visibility is not good, and sometimes some of the children may not know those paths and ways, and they may find themselves, you know, stuck in a bramble bush or something. And we don't want that to happen. No. And some folks get real picky about kids walking on the grass. That's true. stick to the walkways and that way you won't get a lump of coal. (laughs) Right. Talk about traffic safety. Now, we need to be really cautious of the traffic. The drivers may not always see trick-or-treaters. 
we've all been driving down the road and lo and behold, there was somebody in dark clothing right there on the side of the road. And if we weren't paying attention, we could have hit them. Think about that in a smaller package with the kids and look both ways before crossing the street and make eye contact with drivers before crossing in front of them if they're stopping to let you cross. If you're driving, be extra vigilant and drive at a reduced speed through these neighborhoods on Halloween. And even on some major roads, you can find some kids walking the sides of the road trick-or-treating. Also, candy inspection. You want to inspect all of the candy before you allow your children to consume it. You want to discard any unwrapped candy or any suspicious-looking items that may not seem quite right. And whereas there's never been a bona fide reported case of pins or needles in candy, I know that those warnings go out every year, it's still very important as parents to make sure that the candy does appear to be completely fine and totally safe, and then you can dole it out or hold it back, whatever your household wants to do. And if you are giving candy out, give out pre-wrapped candies and make sure that the, the seal is not broken on any of those. And when you're examining your children's candy, make sure that seal has not been broken on any. We always hear these things about fentanyl. Needles, pins, razors. Yeah, but the fentanyl could actually be put into the candy much easier than something like a pen or a razor blade. Yeah. But be careful. If it looks like it might have been tampered with, just discard it. And discard it in such a way that your child can't go back and get it. And also something else, too, and this really falls to the parents and even some of the older children, to be quite aware if they have some food resistance or food allergies, the neighborhood's really not going to know that. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to parse out the things that may be of risk to your child and you just save them for someone who can have them. But definitely make sure that your children aren't eating the candy to start with before you've made certain that they are not going to eat anything for which there would be an allergy problem. It would be horrible to be allergic to a Reese cup. Wouldn't it? Gosh, that would, that, that would be terrible. Gosh, that would be awful. Now let's talk about safety at home. Now this doesn't actually involve the kids But keep your pets in a separate, secure area during trick-or-treating, as sometimes this can avoid stress or incidents. You do not want to have a child bitten by your dog when they are trick-or-treating. Yeah, we actually had that almost happen in our neighborhood when I was a kid. We trick-or-treated in our neighborhood. We probably didn't go two blocks, but believe me, it was more than enough, you know, as far as our trick-or-treating, but... And we always went with the brothers and the sisters, and there was at least one of the neighborhood parents that was walking a couple of steps behind, you know, just to kind of keep an eye out. And then out of nowhere, the neighbor's big old dog comes running around from the backyard, unfenced, and it's just a big friendly lab, but large enough to knock us little kids flat Mm -hmm. to the ground. And that can be a little bit scary. And, you know, it was an unintentional The homeowner didn't realize Big Jake, you know, had gotten out of the fence. But take care because the dogs and even sometimes the cats can become extra sensitive with all of the activity and the doorbell ringing and the door being knocked and kids up and down the sidewalk. You know, your pet doesn't understand all of that. And they're going to be on high alert and they're going to be very stressed. If you have a kennel, 
you know, crate for your dog, put them in there. If you have a room that you can close your cat in safely, put them in there. Just keep them contained and it'll help reduce stress all the way around. And make sure your home is well lit for visiting trick-or-treaters. Have that walkway clear. Have it where it's well lit and they can see coming up your walkway. Yeah, you don't want any kind of an insurance claim against you you because you didn't light up your sidewalk. You do not leave the skateboard on the sidewalk. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Talk about some Halloween decorations. You know, you need to be very cautious with actual flaming candles and a pumpkin or other decoration. I have gone to using a battery-operated candle or maybe just a few glow sticks in there because there's not flames, there's no risk of a fire starting or smoking or sooting or that kind of thing. Also, keep your Halloween decorations away from those walkways to prevent people from tripping on there. You just think about the people that are coming and going from your front door area and make sure that realizing it's going to be dark You're going to have all kinds of decorations everywhere, but you've got to make allowances for groups of children coming together on that sidewalk. Let's talk about stranger danger. Remind your children not to enter anyone's home or car, even if they offer treats. I know that's hard, too, because it's like, come inside. That's where the candy is. And some of the kids may know that person. The other kids may not. It's just safer to take that candy outside. I know that we would go inside when our grandkids would come to trick-or-treat, would bring them inside, but that was a a known person. that's a little bit different. But we might go into a house that the parent that was with us knew that person. So we're not saying you can't go into a house, but tell your kids, if they're out alone, not to go into people's houses to stay at the door. Yeah. And teach your kids to say no and get away from someone that makes them uncomfortable. Yeah, it's perfectly all right to do that. We need to be teaching them that all the time, that they can say no and they can get away from someone that makes them feel uncomfortable. Also, with costume accessories, you're going to want to avoid any sharp or pointy costume accessories that could cause an injury. Things like dinosaur spikes or those middle-aged mace balls with the big spike. You know, you're just going to want to make sure that there's not a dangerous... I mean, think of those spikes as like a knife point or a ice pick or something. You wouldn't give that child that to play with anyway. So we don't want them carrying real swords. We really do not want them pulling any real swords off of anybody's collection on the wall and using that like a prop. If they're going to have a costume that involves a sword, and some costumes do, like a knight, you know, or a mm-hmm. Roman soldier, just make sure they're the soft, rubber, flexible kind, the fake yeah. kind that really can't hurt anybody. Even the hard plastic, they hurt. Yeah, just have to, you know, t- talk to your kids about safe use of some yes. of those props. And you had mentioned a moment ago about masks, and some of these costumes do have even a small mask. But if you're going to mask the child, you know, you're going to want to make sure ahead of time, once you put that mask on, that that does not block their eyes, their ears, their nose, or their mouth. Not only do you want them to be able to see and hear, you want them to be able to breathe. Right. You don't want any mask that covers their face so closely and so tightly that it's starting to condense inside that mask where they're having, you know, a little bit of trouble breathing. So... Test drive those masks and make sure that they are completely safe to be on your child's face. Now, let's talk about emergency contact information for a minute. Now, you may say, I don't need to have that because I'm going to be with my children. 
what if you get hurt? Wow, hadn't thought about that Exactly. One. Make sure that the children know their home address and phone number. If they're old enough, then maybe you could go without the contact info. But what if a whole bunch of you get wiped out? Oh, God. You want Ooh. something that he, I, I know. <laughs> That's kind of scary. It, it, it's scary, <laughs> but let's just talk. It happens. Well, stuff happens. It you got to stay prepared. Happen. Yeah. And every year their children hit while trick-or-treating somewhere. Or their adult family member may be involved in something. Maybe they tripped over something and fell and bonked their head. Yeah, and you want to have that written contact information on you somewhere so that that can be found by the EMS workers and your family can be notified that you'll be at the hospital. Let's talk about communication for a moment. You know, you need to set a time for those older kids to return home, you know, at said hour and establish a way to communicate with them. If they have a cell phone, use that. If you want to provide them with some inexpensive, you know, two-way handy talkie walkie talkies, do that. Have some way to be able to, in real time, communicate with them. And, you know, if they're not home by said hour, you know exactly where you can pinpoint their location and locate them. Here's one that should go without having to be said, but teach children to respect others' property. Halloween, trick-or-treating, is a time that a lot of pranks are pulled. That used More to be tricks trick than treats. or yeah. treat. Yeah, if you don't give me treats, I'm going to give you a trick. Exactly. And... As they get older, it's just trick. Mm -hmm. So teach your kids to respect other people's property and not to vandalize or damage their decorations. Yeah, even if they're, you know, tempted to do so, peer pressure can be really tough. And there's sometimes a lot of teenagers that are not exactly trick-or-treating out there, but Mm -hmm. they'll wander in groups. And years ago, when I lived in a different neighborhood in a different state, We had already turned our lights off and and snuffed out our pumpkin and had locked our doors and a van load of teenagers about 1130 at night rolled up in our neighborhood. And here they go, bang, bang, banging on the door. And my first husband went to the door and he didn't open, you know, the door, but he spoke to them through the storm door and he indicated to them very efficiently that they needed to go home. They weren't even costumed. They were just a load of 17 year old boys. Yeah. And they were, they were looking for some trouble, I believe. And trick-or-treating closed at 9 o'clock. Yeah, right. It was done and over. Nothing good happens after 9 o'clock on Halloween. <laughs> you sound like such a granddaddy right now. Yeah, well, we always <laughs> said nothing good happens after midnight well, in our business. And then we, the older we get, the, the earlier that hour becomes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you also want to be mindful of your pet safety. Some pets are frightened or stressed by the costumes and the decorations we mentioned this a minute ago, but let's stress to ensure that they feel secure and they're comfortable. So take whatever measures. And I know some folks that give their dog or possibly even a cat some type of sedative on July 4th. Well, as prescribed by their veterinarian. As prescribed by their veterinarian. Because you can't just give them anything you'd take. No, no. It has to come from the vet Mm -hmm. or be approved by the vet. Just be mindful of this and help them to stay settled down. Now, by following these safety tips, you can ensure a safe and enjoyable Halloween for everyone involved. And remember that preparation and awareness are key to a fun and incident-free holiday. Now, we want to give a shout-out to Mike 
in North Carolina because our dear friend Mike there gave us today's cup of coffee. And yes, Mike, we really appreciate it. And it will get me through the podcast if we record early in the day. Oh, so thank you, Mike. Thank you for that. <laughs> Now, if you receive value from the podcast, would you do like Mike and help us by giving back a little? You can do that by buying us a cup of coffee. Second, you can start your Amazon shopping from our website. Yay! There is a wording on the right-hand side that says, start your Amazon shopping here. And I highly recommend it. And we do appreciate you doing that. It costs you nothing extra, but it pays us a small commission on qualifying purchases, and it really does help. You'll find both those links there on practicalprepping.info, and both help us out, and we really do appreciate that. And as Krista always says, Stuff happens, even on Halloween, where actually it's okay to have zombies and alien invasions, but we want you to stay prepared. And we'll see you next time.